Today's episode is all about NBA Top Shot and NFTs. If you don't know what either of those things are, just know that we're doing this episode to help you figure out how you can generate more revenue for your organization. For what the heck an NFT is, you're going to be basically thinking about digital art. And it's relevant to you because an NFT a couple weeks ago just sold for $69 million. And NFTs are things that you can be making today in your sports and entertainment organization. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. Today's episode is brought to you by Checked In, a new tool in your operations toolkit that helps you understand exactly who's working in your venue. It's one of the tech products the engagement team helped create during the pandemic, and with it, we set out to solve some of the key problems sports and entertainment operators face every day. The tool does a few things, from helping you gain more labor data to operate more efficiently and mitigate risk, and it also saves you time and headaches by automating the horrible check-in and credential approval process that has existed for so long. But my favorite part of Checked In, hands down, is that it's tied to a digital learning platform. Now, historically, training game day staff has taken place before the beginning of a season. But how do you train the workers that start mid-season or the workers that just come in to work the big games, the big events? Well, this tool solves that issue. With Checked In, you can create and push training to your teammates digitally And you can require employees to watch training videos before they're able to physically check in to work. Checked In has begun rolling out at some of the biggest stadiums in the country, and they're now opening up beta access on a limited basis. If you want to see how it works and get a demo, head to checkedin.app. That's C-H-E-C-K-D-I-N dot app. We'll make it easy and link to it in the show notes. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Flip the Switch, where we sit down with leaders in customer and employee experience to figure out what trends they're paying attention to, what experiments they're running, what are the principles that have driven their success, and then we take all those insights and we apply them to the world of sports and entertainment. Today's episode is going to be a little bit funky, a little different than what you're used to. It's a shorter episode, but we're sitting down with Jesse Schwartz who paid $208,000 for a LeBron James dunk on NBA Top Shot. Now, some of you may know what that means, some of you may not, and that's why we're going to do some baseline definition setting about what is an NFT, what is NBA Top Shot, before we get into the episode with Jesse. So just FYI, this is going to be a little bit longer intro because I'm going to do a little bit of definition setting, uh, but then we'll get into Jesse's interview to figure out why he paid $208,000 for an NBA Top Shot card, if you will. Uh, and, and we'll talk a little bit about what that could mean for you and your organizations uh, in future episodes. And we'll get into it a little bit as well in the episode with Jesse. So let's start at the most basic. What the heck is an NFT and what is NBA Top Shot? Uh, I'm also going to just kind of ramble here. Normally I write stuff down, but there's so much here that this would have taken me forever to write it. So I'm just going to ramble off the top of the head. Uh, So here we go. Uh, An NFT is a non-fungible token. So what is that? I'm going to try to explain it as best I can. It is basically a digital signature on a digital asset. 
so what that means is it's all backed up on blockchain. And if you think about uh, a watermark on a picture, right, that really destroys the integrity of the picture. It, it, it kills the value of it because you're looking at it and you see that the picture is not ideal. It's not in its original state because there's watermarks all over it. So an NFT is basically that same type of concept of what a watermark sets out to do, which is putting some type of verifiable ownership to that digital asset. The difference is this is being stored on the blockchain uh, behind the scenes so that it doesn't ruin the physical integrity of that picture, but it can still assign verifiable ownership to that asset. So we'll back up a little bit. What is blockchain? Uh, the easiest way to think about blockchain, if you don't know what blockchain is, uh, blockchain is basically referring to a, a decentralized public ledger, and it records transactions across many different computers. It has no real central point. All information is stored across a ton of different computers at once across the internet, which makes it really hard for anyone to break into a single computer and steal that data. Uh, another way to think about what blockchain is, uh, think about like a Word document when you're sending it out to your colleagues. Ultimately, someone has the, the most up-to-date Word document on their computer versus a Google Doc, right? Where no matter what, it's public, everybody has access to that information and everybody can be changing it all at once. So when you think about blockchain, that's basically the power or the technology that powers like a Google Doc where everyone has access to it, everyone can see it versus a Word Doc, which is like one owner that people have and, and can, people can hack into it and, and steal that data. So it's just, it's, it's a different way of storing technology or storing data, if you will. So when we think about what an NFT is, it's basically a digital signature assigned to a digital asset that is on the blockchain. So in, in the last couple months, this has really taken off in the digital art world. Okay. Now where this applies to the world of sports and entertainment particularly is with what the NBA has been doing with NBA Top Shot. So to generate another source of revenue, more or less, uh, the NBA basically created digital trading cards. But instead of just pictures like our old sports trading cards might have been, they're taking it and using highlights because ultimately this is any kind of digital asset you can apply this NFT technology to. So if you, if you go on to NBA Top Shot, you can buy a pack of cards like you might have as a kid with other sports trading cards. The only difference is when you buy an NBA Top Shot pack, you're ultimately getting a, a pack of replays or a pack of highlights, and you get ownership now of that highlight. Now, ownership is with an asterisk because there's all sorts of other things we could get into about do you have the right to license that technology and are you making money when that gets played on YouTube and whatnot. So, maybe we'll get into that in the in the episode with Jesse here but ultimately think about it as you you have access and you are verified on the blockchain as having ownership to that replay or that highlight so what Jesse our guest today did was he paid $208,000 to be the owner of that LeBron James highlight now he is actually one of many he's not the 
only owner of that piece, but it's a very limited ownership group that has that. Uh, so might maybe like he's one of 50 maybe that has access to owning that replay. Um, all right. I'm going to unpack this a little bit more in, a, in another way because I've kind of hit the the limit of my rambling. Uh, Steph Smith, who was a previous guest on the show, talking about uh, designing resilient remote work teams. She's brilliant and explores all different corners of the internet. And she put out a great Twitter thread uh, on NFTs, explaining it a little bit more that I want to read. And she put this out on March 2nd. So it's a little bit dated at this point, but I think it really gives a, a baseline definition of some of the questions that you're probably having as I explain this. So here we go. I'm going to just read her Twitter thread and I'll link to it in the show notes. So you've got it as well. All right, here we go. Let's first agree on a definition. NFTs are unique digital assets. You may liken them to a trading card or art. Scarcity is built into the asset, so it's often worth more than its inherent utility. In buying an NFT, you are betting that people will care about it in the future. Now let's address whether NFTs are worthless. NFTs equals technology that allows you to monetize and track ownership of the underlying asset. An example would be an artist can sell X to A, but also get a cut when A sells that asset to B. Now, this tracking mechanism is worth something. How much? It depends. Why does it depend? NFTs tend to trade on extrinsic, not intrinsic value. Intrinsic value is the utility of X. Beef has utility because I can eat it. A stove has utility because I can cook the beef. Gas has utility because it powers a stove. Extrinsic value is harder to quantify. But this concept is not new, nor is it crazy. A trading card is worth 5C intrinsically, but people still buy them for thousands. And in doing so, they are betting that someone will care about them later. The extrinsic value is determined collectively by the market over time. Now, similarly, people buy designer bags for thousands. We already know that there are knockoffs of every designer bag, but people still choose to pay a significant premium for the real deal, even if utility is the same. Why? Again, because of extrinsic value, status in this case. Another common argument is that you can just take a screenshot of the NFT, and that's true. But you can also take a picture of the Mona Lisa or buy a print for pennies on the dollar. Yet there's still value in the original, at least in our society today. There are numerous examples of a scarce asset's extrinsic value being greater than the intrinsic value. Think about Supreme shirts selling for thousands of dollars, Jordans and sneakers selling for tens of thousands of dollars, uh, arowana fish selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Humans are irrational. NFTs utility don't doesn't add up, but that's true for many other things in this world. The hard part of understanding or getting NFTs is that people view their intrinsic value as zero and their premium as a multiple. And of course, zero times anything equals zero, but extrinsic value is additive, not multiplicative. Value equals intrinsic value plus extrinsic value. Value does not equal intrinsic value times the premium. 
And, and that's why people are having an easier time wrapping their head around a physical asset, like the Mona Lisa hanging up in a museum. They know that the asset is worth at least X, the intrinsic value, whereas they know an NFT is worth at least zero because somebody else could just have a PNG or a JPEG copy of that file. But remember, these are things that there are many things in life that are worth at least zero that trade for much, much, much more. All right, so is the hype justified? That's not for us to decide, right? The market will decide. But just remember, for collectible to continue having value, it must continue having relevance. And this is just Steph's opinion. Many of the NFTs today will not be relevant in the future. But they might, right? So who knows? And now that's the end of, uh, that's the end of my reading Steph's tweet, Twitter thread. Um, so where this comes into play for your organizations going forward is that especially in the college market where you have NIL and you're going to have access to, to players uh, and, and helping them generate revenue, they're going to want to generate their own NFTs uh, as we think about this going forward. And if you can provide a platform for them to do so, uh, I think you're going to be in a much better position. It's going to give you a recruiting, uh, a recruiting, uh, what am I looking for? What's the word? A recruiting leg up, if you will, because you're ultimately getting on the player side saying, hey, we're going to give you opportunities to generate more money uh, rather than going to another school. Now, on the pro side as well, right, you already have access to do this with the players and, and so that you can do a lot of these different things. One organization that I would look to that's doing a lot of really cool things right now uh, is the Dallas Mavericks. And our next episode that's going to follow this episode uh, shortly after is with Zoe Skamen, who is helping to lead Mark Cuban experiments. And they are working on a lot of these things. So an, an example of that would be uh, Mark Cuban. They made a Mark Cuban gif of him just kind of doing a shimmy uh, and a little dance move and it sold for $81,000. So when you think about that, uh, there are a lot of revenue generation opportunities for you if you're able to jump on to this NFT train and figure out how it's going to how it's going to work in the future if you will. Um, some other reasons why you should care about NFTs uh, a couple of weeks ago, one of the, a digital artwork that was an NFT sold for $69 million. So the market right now on NFTs, if you go look at Google Trends and see the search history on it, it is just bonkers right now. I've never seen something take off so fast, so quick uh, as I have with NFTs right now. So, all right. Without further ado, uh, I mean, let's jump into this episode with Jesse. I've rambled long enough, and maybe Jesse will give us a little bit more input as to why he paid so much money for an NBA Top Shot card. That ultimately, you can go watch that re replay on YouTube, but he's going to explain to us a little bit more as to why he spent that money, why he thinks the future for NFTs are big, and maybe he'll give us some insight as to what you can do as an organization to incorporate NFTs into your business model. Let's jump in to this episode with Jesse Schwartz. All right, Jesse, welcome to the show, my man. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Excited to do this episode. And actually for this episode, we've got a, a special guest. She's on every episode. She's our producer, Katie Rudy. Uh, but now she's coming in as uh, a, a, a guest on this, a, a semi-host. I don't know what to call you for this. Uh, I don't know either, but I'll I'll just be the uh, the the side the side host, I guess. Just ask questions as they come up, right? I'll, I'll we'll drive Jesse and I'll drive the conversation. But uh, Jesse, thanks again for coming on, man. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, so let's start maybe, uh, we've got to give a little plug to Trends. Uh, Trends is a group, we had Steph Smith on uh, previously. Uh, we got to get Trung on at some point. But anyway, uh, Jesse and I met through our Trends group. Uh, feel free to subscribe to that. But Jesse, what's been your take on the Trends group so far? I'm a big fan. I've been, uh, I've had the hustle coming in my inbox for a few years. Um, saw Trends probably a year and a half ago and joined and I just thought it was great from the beginning. Definitely the Facebook group. I mean, I'm not really on Facebook anymore, but that's the only reason I go on Facebook. Uh, I think the Facebook group's great. The, the community is awesome. Like people are just really open and want to engage with new ideas and new people. So I think that's really cool. Uh, their podcast is great too, My First Million. Yeah, My First Million's awesome. And the, the community there is like, unlike any Facebook community I've, I've ever seen, it's the only reason I'm on Facebook. Uh, but yeah. let. Let's get into it. So again, based on that, Jesse made a post in the Facebook community, uh, basically saying that he dropped $208,000 on a LeBron highlight. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that. You guys have probably heard about NFTs within the last month. And so this whole episode is going to be dedicated towards understanding what it is an NFT, how you guys might be able to use it in the future. Um, so Jesse, I mean, let, maybe we start there. Like, talk to us a little bit about what is an NFT, uh, some of the technology behind it. We'll open end it right there. So NFT stands for non fungible token. Um, basically, the the background behind it is one dollar bill and another dollar bill are fungible. They they represent the same value. One Bitcoin and another Bitcoin are fungible. An NFT, two two NFTs are not the same. So. This allowed people to do things like collectibles where their serial numbers make each one different. Um, and that's all on the blockchain. So all the information is there. Um, and now we're seeing a lot with art, with collectibles and with with other stuff going forward with utility. Now with music, too, people are are able to use the NFT technology and, and mint NFTs of all sorts of stuff. So. Let, Katie, you got to ask ask the dumb questions here, right? Because I've got some uh, base knowledge here. So let's talk a little bit more about it. Maybe the the blockchain technology. So these NFTs, these digital collectibles, ultimately that we're seeing uh, on the marketplace right now, are based on blockchain technology, which is ultimately the backbone behind cryptocurrency, right? I mean, maybe maybe explain, give us a little bit more background on that. Yeah, I think people, um, let's say Bitcoin. What makes it Bitcoin is the scarcity and what makes block the blockchain technology is able to verify scarcity. And there's only 21 million Bitcoins that will ever be in existence. And that's what makes it valuable. And that's what makes a lot of things valuable, whether it's gold or trading cards or vintage cars or sneakers. It's kind of all comes down to scarcity. Uh, so, yeah, the blockchain te technology is able to verify that. So, for example, a product like Topshot every series of moments, which are like the digital cards, has a certain scarcity and a certain addition number. So the really rare ones might only have 50 of them. Uh, and the more common ones these days are up to 50,000. All right, so let, let's talk a little bit about NBA Top Shot. But first, I kind of want to recap what you just said, Jesse. So, I mean, ultimately, these NFTs are built on scarcity. The blockchain verifies that scarcity. I think for our listeners here, there's a million ways you can take this. I even think about the, the technology being used towards tickets. You ultimately have a finite amount of tickets in your building. 
And instead of having scalpers and frauds that are printing the same things, the blockchain creates verifiable technology. It's a ver- it's a verifying technology that basically eliminates any kind of copies or frauds. And we might see those copies and frauds, same thing with your Jordans, pair, your pair of shoes like you referenced, Jesse, where people are making fake copies. You can't do that with an NFT. And I think that's part of what I'm seeing as the value. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, even comparing physical collectibles like trading cards with digital collectibles, if you look at, phys- at, at physical trading cards, a big part of that industry is sending stuff in to be PSA graded. Um, and that's that's a huge thing. People have to wait months for their cards to come back. And it's graded by this third party, which is PSA, which is a, a private company. Um, and, and everyone kind of counts on these guys to say, this is the value. This is the grade. Um, but what happens if the guy working there grading the card is having a bad day and gives it a worse grading? So it, it sort of comes down to, to human error and, and subjectiveness, whereas digital collectibles on the blockchain, it's verified that they mint 49 or 49,000, however many it is, but that's the only amount ever able to be minted of that series. And that's on the blockchain and that's for everyone to see and it's open. And I think that's a lot of the the adoption of Bitcoin as well. People who are, are, are kind of seeing, well, the government can just keep printing US dollars, but Bitcoin is a finite amount forever. There, There's so much here on the on the collectible front alone, we could probably do this whole episode. Um, my So my girlfriend, uh, she just discovered or with, with the Pokemon card craze uh, that is kind of reignited. She was like, oh, I used to collect a lot of Pokemon cards. I was like, all right, like you got a binder full. She's like, no, I have full binders. Ju- I have multiple full binders just from J- Japanese holographic cards. And so we pull it out and we're like, you easily have 50 grand worth of Pokemon cards here. But then the whole PSA process, she's like, I don't want to go through this. What if they rate my cards less than what I think they are? And this eliminates that. And it's so quick too. Right. It's not going to take three months like she's worried about it, it, it taking here. So so let's talk, talk to us a little bit about NBA Top Shot. Obviously, uh, that's what you've kind of been in the headlines for recently. Uh what is NBA Top Shot for people that haven't heard about it? Uh, how can you get into it? What's the concept of it, et cetera? So NBA Top Shot is this concept of digital collectibles, but it's licensed by the NBA and the NBA Players Association. Um, that's what kind of separates it from the other NFT art or other collectibles. Anyone can just create a collectible or art, but this is licensed by the NBA, which is obviously a huge global brand. Um so I think this is just the next step of trading cards, which have been super popular for years and especially popular the last couple of years. So um, NBA Top Shot, I got on it last August. It really started blowing up January and then really exploded in February the last few weeks. And now they have players involved. The NBA just announced their rookie sophomore team rosters through Top Shot. So it's starting to really go mainstream right now. And so they, they've partnered with, if I understand this right, they've partnered with Dapper Labs, which is kind of a, uh, let's call it a digital art. How, how do you describe Dapper Labs? Uh, they, they, so they created CryptoKitties in 2017, which was one of the OG NFT projects where people were, buying and breeding digital cats 
So <laughs> it sounds so weird, right? <laughs> it sounds really strange. Um, I think that was the stepping stone to where we are now, where the NBA is licensing these digital collectibles. But they did that. And that was actually relatively very popular a couple of years ago. And um, so then, then they started acquiring these licenses. The first one they launched is NBA. I believe they have UFC. They have Dr. Seuss that they've announced. I think they're going into other sports as well. So they'll be able to take these licenses and create licensed digital collectibles, which, you know, if you think about in, in this world, anyone can mint an NFT. The license kind of gives it that extra layer of, okay, this is an official product from a brand we know and love, you know. And when, when Jesse says mint an NFT, meaning that is the process. Oh, go ahead, Katie. Oh, I think you I'm just curious. So what got you into NBA Top Shot? You mentioned getting into it in August. Um, were, were you an NBA fan or is this something that got you into an NBA product that you weren't normally looking for? So my friend, Jani has been in NFTs for years. He actually created a similar product in 2018 of soccer digital collectibles. And he was on crypto kitties early. And so he, he showed it to me and he was like, yeah, I think this is up your alley. And it was because I'm a big NBA fan. And so that was kind of just the way I got into it. I was like, this just speaks to me. I've always been a collector. My first businesses were buying and selling stuff on eBay, flipping sneakers, um, you know, Beanie Babies, everything. So it just really spoke to me, the whole collecting trading aspect. And then as an NBA fan, it just uh, seemed like, a, like something I would enjoy. All right. So, so let's talk about this specific Top Shot purchase that you made. Uh, it's a... It's a savage dunk, uh, LeBron just throwing down a hammer, uh, and you dropped 208000 on it. Talk to us about the decision-making behind that, what went into it. I want to know about the why and like the logical, and then I want to hear about like the emotional side of it. So like I said, I've been on Top Shot since August. So it was a few months of collecting, buying, selling stuff, reinvesting, and kind of just seeing things go crazy price-wise. And um, so I, there was a lot of context to that. And then it, it just kind of all led to this moment of being like seeing this product market fit of, you know, seeing moments that I remember being $5 being $5,000 now. And I thought at the time, this moment for $208,000 was actually great value. And I thought it was worth seven figures right away. So even though it set the record, I think it was a steal. Um, and it was just kind of, I had, a, I'd thought about it for a few days and um, just woke up last Monday morning and bought it. <laughs> it was kind of crazy what, what was to just press buy on something like as if you're buying like a, you know, soap on Amazon or something and just check out and it was $208,000. So that was pretty wild. <laughs> what, what, what was the emotion? Was it, were you like, I had to imagine there's like an adrenaline rush there, right? I mean, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it was fun. I mean. It just it just feels like an extension of everything I've always done. It didn't it didn't feel that different, but it was definitely cool. Love it, and I think that for for those of you listening, you're like, okay, this is weird and uh, digital collectibles, and you, you're still not wrapping your heads around it. I think ultimately what this comes into is it's the same thing that to your point of of trading cards and the fanaticism of old paper trading cards that were there. Whether you get it or not, there are people that are emotionally attached to it and and understand it and are willing to spend money on it, right? And so whether you get it or not, 
you got to start to lean into it, I think. Yeah. And whether whether or not you're a collector, there's been already many multimillionaires made from Top Shot and even more from from traditional trading cards. So, you know, you don't have to get it, but people are making a lot of money on this stuff and, and people value it. So now you mentioned that you thought it, the play is actually worth seven figures. Is that like your personal feeling? Is that what you think this is going in that direction that you got to steal? Or where where is the value in the play that you think it's worth seven figures that you got to steal? Well, on Top Shot, some of the smaller moments, like let's say something that goes for around $1,000, they're extremely liquid. So you can see stuff being bought and sold literally every second. And it creates a market just like any stock market would be where, you know, the lowest ask is kind of the the price and you can sell at that price pretty much at any time. With something that's in the 200,000 range, there obviously aren't people buying these every second and dropping 200,000 because that was the record sale. Uh, so, yeah, so it's, it's that's what I think. But um, being that it was the last one on the marketplace of the LeBron Cosmic series, which, by the way, was the original series only given to the founding members of Top Shot even before my time. And I was on super early. So this is a, a very special series in the history of Top Shot. And it was the last one available on the marketplace. And that was the price. So to me, the fact that there's none left means it's worth a lot more. Interesting. So I, I, I guess I didn't catch that when I was doing research on this. Because, I mean, there are things on there where I saw like a a Giannis layup in a mid-season game going for 27,000. I'm like, well, that makes no sense to me. Like it wasn't even a special moment. And even as far as LeBron moments go, it's a great dunk, but it's not like it was the, the Warriors Iguodala block, right? So knowing that it was part of a special series, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, the thing, um, obviously I think people are starting to appreciate the actual moment, the actual highlight more and more. But it definitely is more about the math of scarcity and which series it was and what it means within Top Shot. Um, the first series one stuff, that dunk is actually available in different, in a base series, in a metallic gold, in a cosmic, in a hollow. It's all the same highlight, but it's just one of them. The one that I bought is a cosmic is one of 49. Uh, the metallic gold is one of 299, I believe. And the base is one of a thousand. So you're buying the same highlight, but you're choosing which scarcity, which trimming, if you will. Uh, so the art is different on the highlight. But yeah, that's where that's so. So this one is one of 49. It was the first series release. So there's that history to it in that context. From a revenue perspective, it, it feels kind of endless because if you're if I'm a team or a property that has like these licensing rights, if you will, um, because they can just pump out and say, hey, this is one of 50 they, and, and do different series and put different spins around it. It feels like a great new revenue stream that is just now kind of coming to, to light. Yeah, I think. Uh, and what's awesome is, you know, when they do traditional trading cards, the NBA or NHL or NFL or whoever it may be, will make money off the initial off the initial sale of packs or, or whatever, but there's, there's not really a way for them to make money off resale. And on the blockchain with the digital stuff, they can take a, a percentage of the marketplace, of the whole marketplace. So these moments are being traded back and forth at higher and higher prices. It's the revenue is going up and up and up, but it's the same moments being traded back and forth a lot of the time. 
and the NBA can take a cut of all of this. That this is where for me, I think this has the most, uh, I guess, applicability towards the future. Right? Anything with scarcity, you can track it, and you can then attribute it back to the original person. Like, do, do so. I think about it from a tickets perspective, where a team sells a ticket and then it goes up and up and up on the market, but the team's not seeing any of that revenue. If you put the tickets on blockchain now, you can theoretically attribute it and take a percentage of every one of those purchase uh, prices based on you're the original creator of that piece. Yeah. And I think that's for sure the future because um, why stop open markets? You know, that's that's what people want at the end of the day, the, the accessibility to be able to buy something at its market value, whether it's collectibles or tickets or art or anything. Um, but yeah, the original creator or the team or the licensee should should definitely get a piece of that every time. Love it. Do you any idea how much the NBA is getting from from any of these or the players association? I have no idea. It's I know that the Dapper is taking I think it's 5% off every transaction. So Oh, that's actually surprisingly low. I would have thought they would have been a higher percentage in this. Well, yeah, but then they have the packs which they're minting and selling and they, they that's just all revenue for them basically and then a portion of everything i think goes to the nba and the nba players association but i'm not sure exactly the breakdown got it so all right so you mentioned ufc next on this who else uh where else do you think it's ripe for this i mean it's really kind of every sport but you, you mentioned music earlier as well go ahead yeah they've announced dapper specifically that, that they will be launching a project with dr seuss and with the ufc People speculate about them doing different sports since they already have that. They built their own blockchain as well, so they have the infrastructure for that. Um, I think this stuff, what I'm excited about is the utility of NFTs. I think collectibles is, is awesome. I think art is great. I think going forward, really the utility, whether that's playing a fantasy game with your Top Shot moments where you can win and, and make money from that, or, um, you know, there's a lot of projects there. There's a company, Decentral Games, doing really cool stuff in the virtual. They have a virtual casino inside Decentraland, which is a virtual world. And they're using NFTs. And I know this sounds kind of kind of crazy, but they're using NFTs as like you can wear a digital jacket, which is one of 10. So only 10 people own this at a time. And you can go to their casino and play at a certain high rollers table and make a certain amount of money from that. And you, you have exclusive access to that. So things like that or real life uh, applications where an NBA player, and this is already happening in Top Shot, NBA players are saying, hey, if you get me this moment, if you buy my moment, we're going to meet up before the game. I'm going to get you courtside seats. I'm going to get you my new sneakers. And it creates, it adds even more value to these digital collectibles because they actually bring real life value. Fascinating. Uh, Katie, what are you going to ask? Yeah, my, my head is spinning on the on the real life value and the, the ability to actually then connect with the athletes. Yeah. yeah, and that's happening now, which is cool. And this is just the beginning. So I think sky's the limit with that. I know we've, I know we've got a college athletics, a lot of college athletics uh, administrators that listen to this. Um, as name, image, and likeness comes around and student athletes now can start to make money from their name, image, and likeness, I think this is going to open up a whole new way for athletes to monetize in a, in a way that's, that's healthy and doesn't detract from their studies or from competing sponsors or whatever it might be. Uh, 
And, and it, it, honestly, from what you just described, Jesse, of being able to have athletes meet with people that have bought a specific NFT, it fosters that fandom and that community and only strengthens ties between fans and the teams and the players, right? Yeah. I think for, for you know, a musical artist or an athlete, people who have fans, people who, who want to support them, but also gain access to them. NFTs is the perfect technology for that. And I think it was it was a Kings of Leon earlier this week said they're going to drop their album. That's an NFT base. I mean, how, how, what's your thoughts on the music side of things so that people can get an idea of how it's being applied outside of collectibles? Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of potential with music. I think like any new technology right now is just the beginnings of people trying stuff out. And um, Blau is doing a lot of stuff where he just dropped a full album as like an auction NFT. Uh, I think it gives a lot of power to the creator rather than them just giving their music for free on streaming and then seeing a tiny cut of this. I think they're saying, no, what we create is rare and is scarce and should be and should be dealt like that. And um, I think we'll see it evolve. I don't know what the final form of it is, but I think NFTs definitely have a place in the ecosystem of music, whether that's having exclusive access to to artists, to shows to content um, or just an entire album that's only one of 10 and, you know, you have a scarce item. But I think um, I think what we're going to see is artists being able to they have more direct access to their fans and fans can then through NFTs fund them to go create the content they want to see and get exclusive access like that. And what I would love to see is the whole thing almost as a as a, a betting ecosystem where I could say, I want to buy this token of this artist and bet on them and then be able to trade that later for a higher price. Like something like that benefits everyone. What, what do you, okay. Tell me more about what you mean by this. I'm fascinated as to where you think the future of this is going. When you say betting on them and, or I guess dive a little deeper, like how would you see it? You're, you're painting a blank canvas. How do you see it? So, so now we're seeing it with, with artists. So, there's these digital artists now. This has become huge. People minting digital art as NFTs. Um, and a lot of these guys have been doing art for years and not making any money because they have no way to sell this art or, or monetize it. And all of a sudden, NFTs come along and become popular. And these guys are making millions of dollars in five minutes, just offering NFT, um, offering their NFTs online in a five-minute window. And a lot of them are are open drops, meaning that however many people buy the art in five minutes, that many is minted. So if three people buy it, there's only three editions. If three million people buy it, there's three million. But they're charging like a few thousand dollars per edition. And some of these guys are selling hundreds in five minutes. So they're, they're making literally millions of dollars. And as a fan, you're getting to own an exclusive piece of this artist's work, whether it's one of three or one of 3,000 but you're also funding their career. So just, we're already seeing the start of it where, where you're directly funding them, not through um, any intermediaries. And I think music, I think that's coming from music where you know you don't have to, right now, if I wanna to listen to an artist, I'm buying a Spotify membership. It's, it's very indirect how they actually get paid. And a lot of them have label deals and all this stuff that prevents them from getting paid at all. So I think we're gonna start seeing artists going directly to fans, fans money going directly to artists, and and then being able to create more content for those fans and that whole ecosystem. So, 
to me, this is where it gets really interesting for our listeners, right? Where I would somewhat say that as a team, looking at how Gen Z consumes content and what they gravitate towards, they tend to gravitate from what I've seen more towards individuals and personalities whose values and whatnot that they can relate with rather than a brand, an overarching brand or an organization. And so with NFTs, it now, to your point of what you just said, Jesse, it allows athletes a more direct connection to get funded directly from fans. I could see a, a point in time where the next generation's money is now being directed. They only have they only got the same amount of money that they have. And instead of all that money going to the team, they're spending it more directly to support their individual athletes. Uh, that's kind of how I see it, right? I mean, it could... What, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think it it provides it's good for everyone. The technology will benefit everyone. Um, the the players or artists or you know they they'll have more a bigger slice of that pie that was directed towards them anyway, and fans will yeah. have more direct access and and more exclusive opportunities because if there's a if there's an NFT that's only one of twenty and you own one and you're only one of 20 people with that access. So I think that's really cool. Love it. Love it. Um, I'm going to ask this question. I'm sure you've gotten this. This is maybe the most asked question that you've got. Uh, what's the difference between the screenshot of the dunk versus the actual dunk? I mean, I, I don't get it. I can just take a screenshot or I could watch the, the replay on YouTube. I've been getting uh, a lot of your, tweets uh, and comments on Instagram like that. And, and I'm, I'm just kind of trolling people responding back like, oh man, if I knew it was on YouTube, I wouldn't have dropped a quarter million dollars. You should have told me, you know, like, <laughs> um, too funny, you know, think about it as the Mona Lisa. So there's one Mona Lisa. Everyone knows what it is, where it is. That's verified by everyone knowing. There, you can go on Google and, and take any picture of the Mona Lisa. You can take a picture of it on your phone. You can have someone repaint it, but it's still not the Mona Lisa. And people with pictures of it or fakes or, you know, redone versions, that just adds value because it's more and more people knowing about the Mona Lisa. So the more people watch my highlight and replicate it and know about it and know about Top Shot, it's just adding value because I own one of 49 original once and I and everyone knows that it's on the blockchain. So that's how I look at it. I mean, everyone seems to understand all the time that example of the Mona Lisa or original art or Picasso and these things go for, you know, millions of dollars and people are understand that because it's scarcity and it's proven scarcity. And this is really the exact same thing. So this is where I'm going to chime in as the naive person here. Sure. So do you get anything from people going and viewing your highlight that you bought? I don't. This is okay. at this point just a collectible. And so you literally just have the collectible. Yeah, I just own that. It's not a, you know, it's yeah, it's just a collectible within Top Shot. And like I said, I think the future is that these NFTs will be cash flowing assets that either provide a return monetarily or a return in terms of access. But for now, at least this platform is collectibles. I didn't think about that though. What you said of the more people that the more news articles that you're in talking about this dunk, the more people go watch to see the dunk, the more famous the dunk gets in LeBron's arsenal of dunks and the value goes up. Yeah. 
And there's other cheaper LeBrons that you can buy on there too. And I've seen those go up too because people come on and hear about my purchase and they want some kind of version of that, but they maybe want the $800 one, which is now 1200 because, you know, so people are clearly willing to pay for this stuff. Awesome. Um, any, any more NFT questions, Katie? What, what else? I think I, I asked mine. Well, b- before we jump, Jesse, I mean, tell us a little bit about front page and what you're actually working on, because you're not just buying $208,000 NFTs every day. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I got my start in collecting, buying, selling stuff on eBay. And from there, I, I had an event ticket company. I started a cookie company. So I've always just been all over the map. Um, one of my my newest projects is front page threads, which is what I'm wearing right now, my streetwear brand. And uh, that's what I've been working on, as well as investing in cool companies um, that in all spaces, really. So yeah, just kind of like always, always going with the flow, finding what's next, so. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about front page. I, I mean, I, I'm a big streetwear guy. Uh, or do you do drops weekly, monthly? I mean, how, how, how does front page work? We haven't launched yet. This is a brand new project. I wonder because I because I feel like I tried typing in the website and I didn't see much there. But go ahead. Yeah, this is this is brand new. So the, the backstory behind the name front page, um, I had a cookie company called Yodo, which is why my social media handles are all at Yodo, because that, that was when I started on social media. I was pushing cookies and um, I'm from Montreal, Canada. Originally, I was on the front page of the Montreal newspaper with, with a story about my cookie company. And my friend Jordan started calling me front page after that. And then when I uh, came time to name my holding company for all the other stuff I was doing, it became front page projects. And uh, that kind of is how the, the clothing line was born and just something to, to represent that as well. So that's the story of front page. Too cool. We're going to have to drop me a note when it uh, when the first drop comes. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely down to support it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Jesse's been been awesome having you on uh katie any more final questions for jesse i'm good any 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 word of advice to our any of our listeners jesse just in life or top shot or what are we talking here <laughs> <laughs> i don't know we always close with that uh no no worries guys if if, if you, you oh, go ahead jesse you're gonna advice. say something <laughs> what was it do you <laughs> I like it. Uh, all right. So uh, we'll, we'll link to your Twitter handle anywhere else that people should go and uh, check out to follow along your journey. Yeah, just Instagram and Twitter, basically at Yodo. And uh, I'll make all my announcements through there. So that's where it's at. Sounds good. All right, Jesse, appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on. Hey, guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. 
Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.